Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,133. This week, we continue our celebration of the 71st annual Pebble Beach Concours de Elegance. It takes place Sunday, August 21st at the Lodge in Pebble Beach, California. To learn more and get your tickets, go to pebblebeachconcours.net. I hope to see you there. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana with a very special guest by the name of Chris McAllister. Chris, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? All set to go, Mark. Let's hit it. Yeah, I think you're always all set to go. Now, before I give you an introduction, we talk about this incredible world you live in, especially with your classic car fascination and racing. What's one little thing that maybe some people don't know about you, Chris? I've been to the Indianapolis 500 every year for 57 years in a row. Okay, wait a minute. What? Holy cow. That's incredible. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So you must have started going as a little boy. Fourth grade, nine years old. Wow, that's fantastic. Oh, well, I think you've got me beat. I think I've only been there three times. So I've got some catching up to do, but I know that you're a vintage racer and catching up with you on the track and the cars you drive is kind of an impossible feat. So I think I'll just uh, kind of sit where I'm sitting and uh, and try to go again next year. That's incredible. Wow, what a, what a wonderful thing you've been able to do. Well, let me give you a proper introduction, and we're going to talk about this uh, wonderful world of cars you live in. Chris McAllister is the president and COO of McAllister Machinery. It's a company he's worked at since the age of nine when he started going to the Indy 500 and a business his grandfather founded back in 1945. His skillfulness with mechanics at work carried into his personal life, starting with his participation in motocross racing. Well, there's something we did together. I used to do that. Uh, Where he won 49 trophies. There again, you've got me beat, Chris. And his hobby of rebuilding his motocross bikes. He progressed into collecting and racing vintage and classic cars, which he also restores and modifies. Cars are the big thing these days and with a stable of classic vehicles. Chris races and drives on tours as well as, well, to work most days. His passion for cars has even carried over into his home where he lives in Brendanwood. It's an old Marmon estate, a home built by Walter Marmon, Howard Marmon's brother. Howard Marmon is the man who initiated the Marmon Motor Company in Indianapolis in 1902. Chris, you just can't get away from cars, can you? Well, uh, when you're from Indianapolis, it seems like they're everywhere. Yeah, I think so. We're going to come back in just a moment, but first a word from our valued sponsors. So please give them a little love today and we'll be right back. Buckle up. One of your vehicle's interior surfaces that gets a lot of abuse is your dashboard. The sun beats down and those damaging UV rays cause massive heat cycles, resulting in color changes and sometimes cracks. My friends at Covercraft have a great solution for you and for me. Their custom-tailored dash mats protect your dash from heat buildup while providing a stylish solution. You can choose from a variety of styles and colors, including carpet, suede mat, that's the one I have for my vehicles, Carhartt limited edition velour mats, and the Ultimat for trucks and SUVs. 
Another great benefit of your Covercraft dash mat is that it eliminates the harsh glare the sun produces from your dash to the inside of your windshield, which can make driving a hazard. Covercraft's dash mat design center is located in Arizona, where they know about harsh sun. I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework, I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider, according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-A-C-I-Y-E-A-H. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. So, Chris, we are back. So I want to dive a little deeper into the corner here, something you do very well. I wanted to first start going back to McAllister Machinery because this is a family business that you've been involved with and, and run. I wondered, how did your passion for mechanics in your family business lead you into the world of racing and building both motorcycles and cars and modifying and restoring old classic cars? Because it seems like you, goes back to the start, I read in your bio that, uh, you know, you did things around the shop, you worked for the company in many ways. Uh, machinery, mechanics, these things, it's kind of in your blood, it seems like. It is. When when I was a kid, I'd go down to the business with my father on Saturdays and just wander around, climb on the tractors and walk to the parts aisles. And I got to know uh, people, mechanics and parts guys and salesmen. And I just found the machinery interesting. Uh, must be some natural mechanical inclination. So it was a cool place to go. So that kind of started it. And then my uncle gave me a, a bunch of old parts for my pick a year, eighth birthday, seventh birthday, water pumps, oil pumps, a starter, and a uh, handy dandy tool kit. You know, so he set me off right there and I took all that stuff apart and, and it just kind of started from there. Well, no kidding. Now, before we get into the world of classic cars and racing and so forth, tell our listeners, if they don't already know, a little bit about your business. Because this business that your family started, that your father, your grandfather, and you, and this incredible team of employees you have have built, McAllister Machinery, what is the business all about? 
Well, we are in the heavy equipment business, so bulldozers and motor graders. We're also in the industrial uh, equipment business, aerial lifts, jackhammers, air compressors. Uh, so we uh, we're a dealer for several manufacturers. We rent, uh, we sell new and used, we repair meaning we've got shops and mechanics, we supply spare parts, we do a little financing. So we're like a car dealer for Big Iron. You guys help build the country, build the world, right? That's right. Yeah, and, that's, and that's we keep it, keep it running. I appreciate that. That's very cool. So getting into the classic car world and particularly vintage racing, you seem to have a real passion for this. I used to race vintage cars and I've actually been at some tracks that you were running at way back in the day, Road America and so forth. What got you into vintage racing? We understand how you got into machinery and that led to probably the motorcycle racing and tinkering and then building and restoring. But you've got some serious race cars. Well, I think it started in the fourth grade. Um, in Indianapolis, it was typical for schools to take a field day to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So our class went out there one day for practice in the month of May, and we just walked around and saw the drivers and the cars, and and I was impressed with that. I mean, really impressed. And that, uh, I went to the race that year for my first year, and that's really what started the interest in uh, racing and cars. No kidding. And uh, you've gotten big into that. Now, since I've dedicated this week to the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance, part of Pebble Beach Concord Car Week, of course, is the vintage races. And you've run cars out at Laguna Seca, right? I have for years. Yeah, no kidding. Are you going to be running this year? I will, yes. Uh And what are you driving? A Ferrari Formula One car and a Jaguar D-Type. Oh, my gosh. Well, those are very, very different kinds of, of rides. Do you have a favorite? Because you tend to drive a lot of different types of cars. Favorites depend on what you're going to do with a car. If I were going to race a car, my favorite is a 1973 Gulf Mirage, mm. which is an endurance racing car. Uh, and I can drive that car uh, as fast as I can comfortably. Uh, If I'm going to drive around town, uh, I like a more modern Porsche 911. So it, it, you know, it kind of depends on what you want to do. When you started racing vintage cars, what were the first car or what was the first car that you got? First car that I raced was a Ford GT40. Oh my gosh, Um, you started close to the top. (laughs) Wow. Well, (laughs) I was fortunate and um, just kind of gravitated from motocross racing into, um, actually I bought a Cobra first uh, out of a barn and fixed that up and did a little bit of autocrossing and then got the GT40 and took that to Road Atlanta in 1983. And uh, that's kind of started it. Been racing ever since. It sounds like you kind of like endurance style racing. I like sports cars, yes. I've had Formula One cars for a long time, and they're great to drive, but I guess I prefer the sports cars more than the Formula One cars. Well, the Jaguar that you'll have at Laguna Seca this year kind of fits into that category versus the, I mean, Ferrari F1 car. Who doesn't love that? But the Jaguar, wow, that's got to be a lot of fun. Very historic cars, the D-Type. I mean, you know, won them all three times. Great looking car. So cars need to look good. They need to have good history and they need to be fun to drive for me to want them. I'll bet. Ticks all the boxes. Well, let's talk a little bit about Pebble Beach and the Pebble Beach Concours. How have you been, long have you been involved with the Pebble Beach Concours? 
I've been attending for, I suppose, a dozen years, maybe 15. I always raced at Laguna on Sunday, so Pebble was always on Sunday. So I'd go out with the Dawn Patrol, and then I'd leave at 9 or 9.30 because I had to get back to the track. So I, I I got a good view of things, but I didn't get to spend a lot of time there. And it's just neat stuff there, neat cars and neat people. And so I kept going back. I finally have got something beat on you, Chris, because this will be my 32nd year going to Pebble Beach. But I think you were having more fun that weekend than me. That's for sure. Well, congratulations. You've seen a lot of changes there. Well, yeah, absolutely. Have you had a car on the lawn at Pebble? I have, yeah, a few times. And what have they been? Well, last year I had a Porsche 917, before that a Cadillac V16, uh, what else? Gosh, I can't remember. Maybe those are the only two. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that's enough, I think. Uh, yeah, last year with all those 917s was pretty darn special. It kind of reminded me a bit of the uh, uh, the Ford GT40s that were on the lawn, I think yeah, it was 2018, yeah. 19. That was pretty cool, yep, too. That yeah. was. So when you think about Pebble Beach for you, and the idea of how Pebble Beach has evolved and what it means to the collector car world. Those of us who would aspire to have the incredible cars like you have or the other people, or those that do but maybe want to finally get to the lawn of Pebble Beach. What does Pebble Beach mean to you, the Concord? Well, to me, it's cars and people. It's not the competition. It's a big car show, and it's just cool to see the different cars and so many good examples of different cars. I know a lot of people there, so it's just run into one friend after another after another. So it's just a great day to look at cars and talk to friends. Well, in this year, the races, the historic races, have altered, and they're starting a day early, which means they're going to free you up for Sunday. So will we see you on the lawn? I'll be there all day, yeah. Yeah, there you go. We'll be there uh, Dawn Patrol eating donuts, and uh, we'll be there all day. So I look forward to that. I always like to ask my guests about what I call a driving inspiration, a person that was a key mentor, influencer in your life that really helped you progress through your life, your career. Is there somebody like that in your world? Yeah, there's a couple people. My father was my biggest role model. Great guy. We worked together for, gee whiz, I've been here 44 years. He was here 42 of them. So he's number one. And maybe you've heard of an author named Stephen Covey. Of course. Yeah. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I like that book. And I went to see Covey a few times and, and his seven habits have been pretty influential in my life. Wow. Well, I'm happy to hear that because that book really changed my life uh, in my business life and helped me improve drastically in the way that I communicate with people. I especially love his fifth one, which is kind of ended up what I'm doing here. First, listen to understand then speak to be understood. Amen. We, we use that all the time here. It's great advice. It really is. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I've given that book to so many people. I gave his book to my children when they went off to college. It's absolutely wonderful. When we think back to your father, though, I mean, this family business, and this is something I, I read some great things about your company and the fact that people that work there, many people have said, this is a very large company, but it feels like a mom and pop. It feels like you're part of of a family. Did that legacy start with your grandfather? And, and how did your father and how have you managed to keep that concept together? Because many times when companies get big, things start to get disjointed and people don't feel like, they feel like they're just a cog in the wheel versus part of a brand. How, how did you guys pull that off? Well, we, we recognize that it's all about the people. 
the, the products help and the facilities help, but really it's the people that differentiate us from almost all of our competitors. Uh, so we try to find people that fit our culture uh, and we involve them in decisions that affect them and we treat them like equals uh, and we work pretty hard uh, to work as a team and, and to make decisions consensually. Uh, and you stick with that decade after decade and, and after a while you get better at it you are able to find people who like that sort of environment and you steer clear of people who don't. And next thing you know, you've been around for 77 years and <laughs> yeah. things are rolling along. <laughs> yeah, you make it sound so easy, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure it is, but I understand what you're saying. We we find companies that are quite large and successful that do this and others that just they can't pull it off. And maybe, I don't think maybe, I think you said the key thing there, the golden nugget I heard you drop was it's in the culture. It's in the basic core of the business identity. Would that be accurate? It would. The culture is very, very strong. It's very well defined. It's woven through every aspect of the organization and the training and the orientation. And, you know, it's, so it's alive and well and, and uh, very effective. Is that something your grandfather really took to heart and, and just instilled in the concept, the basic foundation of the brand? Yes. Uh, um, in, in his behavior, he kind of was the role model and hired people like him. They didn't have a defined culture uh, and they weren't very sophisticated ab about it, but it Definitely, his fingerprints are all over what are here today, and my father kind of perpetuated that, expanded it quite a bit, and then it was really big to me, so I kind of exploded it across the entire organization to where it, it touches everybody. So we got three generations working on it. And I understand you have children that are working there now, so we're going into a fourth generation? We got two kids here that are the fourth generation. Yep. Wow. That's incredible. Awesome. Well, congratulations. We'll take a short break and thank our sponsors again. We come back. I always got to ask my guests about what I call the big challenge question. So uh, since those uh, five-point harnesses down, and uh, we'll be right back. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because, well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Jim Canova is a past guest here on Cars Yeah, and he's detailed over 8,000 vehicles. And that kind of professional experience leads to innovation. He was tired of uncomfortable stools and creepers and being down on his knees when detailing cars. So as a result, Jim thought, you know what, there must be a better way. And he invented the Bumby Seat. His unique design gets you off your knees and your bum onto a far more comfortable seating position for all your low-level automotive detailing. The Bumby Seat, with its patented full-flat design, 
allows you to adjust your position to the task at hand. Convenient side trays hold your car care products, tools, cloths, or a tasty beverage. Built for the toughest driveways and garage tests, the Bumby Seat has wheels that roll easily over almost any surface, and it makes a great around-the-home adjustable stool for hobbies, yard work, or take it to the car show. The full-flat design makes storage a breeze. Jim has launched an Indiegogo fundraiser, and you can get in on the start of what's sure to be an industry favorite. Go to Indiegogo.com and type in Bumby Seat, that's B-U-M-B-E-E, Seat, to be one of the first in line to start improving your automotive detailing experience today. That's Bumby Seat on the Indiegogo.com website. A fun folding mobile seat design. The Bumby Seat campaign starts tomorrow, Friday, August 5th, on Indiegogo.com. Get yours there. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARS YEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So, Chris, I like this question. I call it the challenge question. I like to ask my guests if they have had a particular challenge in their life that maybe even a failure that really has set them back, but more importantly, it taught them an invaluable lesson that they brought forward, perhaps shared with other people to help them in similar situations. Now, this could be something in your personal life. It could be in your business or it could be in the vintage racing world. So let's talk about one of those uh, rough rides. Well, my dad was, um, uh, I was the last kid, so he was in his 40s when I was born. And coming up through the business, I must have been a slow learner because by the time he hit 65, I was still a punk in the, in the <laughs> shop, uh, 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 you know, trying to come up through the management ranks. So he had to hang around longer than he wanted for me to get up to speed. And uh, he brought in a guy uh, to kind of run the business on a daily basis so he wouldn't have to do everything, what you call a bridge manager. Uh, And I learned a a lot from this guy, uh, a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff. Uh, And he got enamored with the business and kind of tried to take it over and, and shove me out of the business. And of course, I'm on my way to the top to run the business to take over for my father. And, and I remember a conversation uh, about, you know, you need to step down and all this. And, and it was a hard day. No kidding. Didn't, didn't do that, you know, um, and ultimately everything worked out okay. But um, it was a, a big challenge. You know, this is something that happens to a lot of people, I think, as they move through the ranks and they run into these barriers, speed bumps, obstacles, whatever you are, that they didn't anticipate. And in many ways, a lot of people don't 
really know how to manage that and you end up with these massive conflicts and somebody's going to lose out on the deal. How did you deal with that particular situation? I mean, you, you add the complexity to a family business into this. Were there some key things that you could maybe share, kind of like Stephen Covey's Seven Habits, with some listeners that might be encountering a similar situation with somebody that either is their boss or somebody that they're aligned with that isn't really aligned with them that might help them a little bit? Well, I guess the first thing I did was sit down and write my dad a long letter, <laughs> which I <laughs> hand-delivered, and we we talked about it, so I I responded. Uh, and uh, the second thing I did was not only say, I don't think this is a good idea, hell no, I'm not leaving. Yeah, there you go. This is not a good idea, and I disagree with it. And uh, the third thing was, uh, what do I have to do to make this work? Uh, and then 110% behind that, you know, and, and solve the obstacles or the complaints or the issues and, and uh, eventually grab the golden ring. I think a key thing you just said there, Chris, was instead of saying, I'm going to do this, what do I have to do to be successful? That, that sounds like a wonderful process or a step of reaching out uh, versus going in like a bull in a china shop, uh, which could cause more conflict. Am I, am I heading down the right track here? Uh, you are. It, it really wasn't up to me. <laughs> uh, our manufacturers had a say in it. Our shareholders had a say in it. You know, So I'm, I'm a minority stakeholder here and um, kind of need to understand what, what's deficient and let me fix it. Well, good for you. I'm glad you did. You know, we love to talk about cars here, and you're a guy who's had some incredible cars in his life. You've mentioned just a few. I'd love for you to share a story about, if you could pick one, I know it's like picking your favorite child, impossible, but maybe just for today, pick, and maybe this is a car that relates to Pebble Beach or to your vintage racing, but one really special car in your life that really stands out and share a great memory about that ride. Well, this isn't a car. This is a motorcycle. Oh, I love it. And it's a 1976 Yamaha TZ750 flat tracker. So it's a road race engine stuffed in a dirt track frame that Kenny Roberts used at the Indy Mile in 76. And I was at the race and he had never sat on the bike before that event and it was all he was all over the place in practice trying to control the wheel spin because he had 30 40 horsepower more than the harleys and he started at the back and to make a long story short he passed the the two harleys within 10 feet of the flag and, and won the race at the last lap and the whole crowd just erupted it was wow. fantastic it was the greatest racing finish i've ever seen in my life of any sport and i was there and now that bike sits in my garage oh, wow. it's just so cool. And now you've ridden lots of bikes. Have you ridden that bike? I've not ridden that one, but I've ridden a TZ750. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's a powerful bike. Wow. How cool is that? I mean, you must look at that thing and just the brain starts spinning on what he encountered, what he did. I mean, somebody that prolific in racing, but the fact that he pulled that feet off as well. What? Well, if you can think back to 1976, I'm not sure I can. That's the year I graduated from high school. What did he do that enabled him on a bike that he wasn't that familiar with in those last moments? How did he get the power down to the ground to, to pass those other two bikes? 
It's a great story, and I'll give you the abbreviated version. Okay. Uh, he was all over the track trying to find traction because the thing was just spinning the tire everywhere. So he, he was in the groove, and that didn't work. So he went out a little bit wider, a little wider, a little wider, uh, and and um, he, he didn't qualify well near the back, started the race and still looking for traction. Next thing you know, he's almost all the way out on the cushion, and then he's clipping the hay bales at the, in the corners <laughs> and, and, and finds that he gets more traction way out there. So he's taking a longer lap, but he's hooking up and he's blowing by guys on the straight 30 miles an hour faster than they are and then all over the turns. Anyway, he works his way up from last uh, to um, he's passing guys three or four a lap and, and um, with uh, the white flag comes out and he's 20 yards behind Corky Keener and Jay Springsteen uh, and thinking, you know, I'm going to get third. Uh, so he goes into the last lap and the last corner actually, turn four, and somehow finds this magic piece of traction in that corner. And the bike hooks up and just Launches rockets him. out of yeah. the corner. He scares Springsteen and Keener because they don't know he's back there and he passes them within 10 feet of the flag. And, and it was fantastic. Wow. I saw the whole thing and it was just, uh, you couldn't believe how cool it was. So racing at its finest, man. Yeah. <laughs> you and Roberts, well, you know, he, he wrestled that thing and he figured it out. He found a place where he could work and he didn't give up. Great victory. Incredible. Yeah. You know, it's a lot like any racing. I mean, you get in a car and especially different kinds of vintage race cars like you've driven and finding that magical spot. And once you hit it, it is pretty magical, isn't it? It's like everything is connected here. It's working. And then there's those other days where things don't quite go as planned. That's so, right. Yeah, just a few. So I'm going to ask you something, Chris, that I'll bet no one's ever asked you. But bear with me and really think about this. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, as a vehicle, manifest as a vehicle. Now, this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive yourself, the man in the mirror, who you are as a human being, what kind of vehicle would you be? But the real important part of this question is why? Well, I would probably be a, a fantastic-looking, rare, highly successful <laughs> racing sports car. Okay. <laughs> okay. There we go. Well, is there one in particular? Well, there's there's lots in particular. You know, okay. 917 Porsches, 512 Ferraris, uh, GT40s. That's what I like are those types of sports cars. So that's, that's kind of me. There you go. You know, I found that all successful people in the world, and especially people in the car world, have found ways to help others, to give back. Uh, specifically in the automotive sector, but maybe there's another area in which you found to, to give back and help others. What would that be? Well, I'm on the board of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum uh, and spend quite a bit of time helping the museum kind of reinvent itself. I'm also on the advisory uh, group for the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion, uh, helping with car selection and, and uh, classes, looking at classes for next year and that sort of stuff. So in the motorsports arena, those are the two areas where I'm trying to give back. Absolutely. So when it comes to great books, you mentioned Stephen Covey's, one of my favorites, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Would that be your book of choice or is there maybe another book you'd like to share with the listeners that they could learn a lot from? That's a great book. 
Um, a book that I just finished last night has been really good, and it's a history of the Industrial Revolution, wow. which basically took place in England. And this book explains all the things that fell in place in England in the 15 and 1600s that set the stage for uh, the Industrial Revolution that totally changed the world. It's a great book, so I recommend it. Sir, one thing in particular you gleaned out of that book that really turned the tide? Uh, it was more than one thing. It was coal was a game changer, and steam uh, replaced animal power and totally changed the amount of work that could be done. The, the, those are two big things. The, the patent law was first kind of established in, in England, and, and that allowed a guy to invest a lot of time and money in perfecting a patent uh, and get paid back for it. Right. Without that, somebody would just copy um, uh, what he did. So the number of, of things that fell in place to cause that revolution is what's so interesting. And there's, there's probably a dozen of them. And all that stuff came together in England in the 1500s, 1600s. And this is good reading. So... I'm an enabler, Chris. I'm going to enable you today to go on what I call the ultimate drive. Now, this could be a challenge because you're a guy who's been on many ultimate drives, but I want you to think about this. I'm going to buy you any vehicle in the world. If there's a car out there you've always wanted, I'm going to park it in your driveway. You get to go on a drive. Now, this could be on a track or it could be on the road. You get to take anybody in the world with you. But here's the trick. It could be somebody who's passed. So it'd be somebody from the past that you could bring forward and take a ride with, maybe talk with, learn some things with. What does an ultimate drive look like for a guy like you that's been on many tracks in many ultimate rides? Well, it might be surprising. If I could take that drive today, I would do it in a Singer DLS. Ooh, I love it. I would have my um, wife and my best friend and his wife go along, and my wife would not be in the car with me because uh, <laughs> it's too loud. Yeah. Uh, my best friend would be, and he'd be navigating. And when we got to the the resort or the hotel that we're staying at, our wives would already be there, and we'd have dinner with them. <laughs> and they'd be happy that they, they were not in the car. Now, I've had Rob Dickinson on this show twice now, and I always joke and say that whenever I do waste two bucks on a lottery ticket, I write one word on the back of it. Singer. Singer. <laughs> Those cars are incredible. Unfortunately, whoever won that's the most recent one point something billion dollar lottery was not in the state of Washington. I hear they were in Illinois or something like that. So more power to them. They can buy a couple singers. The Singer DLS, could you explain briefly for listeners that might not know which model that is, what that car is, and why you chose that car? Well, the DLS, DLS stands for Dynamic and Light Weighting Study. Dickinson had built the classic singer, uh, the one that we all see and know about, and wanted to take it to the ultimate and began to work with Williams Grand Prix Engineering and some other firms to solve the um, handling problems in the 911 and also take the engine uh, higher, the, the, as high as it could go. And of course, he wanted it to stay naturally aspirated and air-cooled. So Williams put a double overhead cam, uh, developed a double overhead cam cylinder head, uh, and they kind of reworked much of the engine to go to, I think, 9,200 RPM. They got another 100 horsepower out of it, and, and super responsive engine. It was um, 
compared by a guy who's driven uh, the DLS a lot uh, to the McLaren F1 mm. BMW V12. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's driven that one as well. Um, so was, how's that for a... <laughs> answer well i'm gonna have to buy another lottery ticket to be able to buy that car for you but that's okay i think you'll be able to handle it yeah pretty darn cool chris you've taken us on an amazing ride today i can't wait to uh see you in a couple weeks here on the line of pebbles since you don't have to be at the track that day and you can enjoy all the cars and all the more importantly all the people because that's what pebble beach is all about before i let you go would you share maybe some parting words of inspiration wisdom a mantra or success quote with us Sure. I'll go back to our mutual friend, Stephen Covey, (laughs) and recommend that you seek first to understand before being understood. Yeah, uh, absolutely incredible. How can people learn more about your business? Well, you can go to www.mcallister.com, and we've got a big website with all sorts of stuff there. I'll put a link to that on Chris's show notes page and, of course, a link to the Pebble Beach Concours. It's coming up very soon, and for you listeners that have not been to Pebble Beach, the Concord, you've got to go. This is the 71st year, Sunday, August 21st at the Pebble Beach Lodge. You can learn more by going to the Pebble Beach website, which is pebblebeachconcord.net. Get your tickets. Be there early. You can join Chris and I and all the other great guests who've been on the show this week because this year is going to be quite spectacular. Chris, thank you for taking some time out of a very busy schedule and spending it with the Cars Out listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Pebble Beach Concours de Elegance. Cheers. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! A fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!